0: one of the best things that's come out of COVID time is some relationships i have gained from going on walks walks have been a huge gift for me and my family i mean i can just pop my kids in the stroller and go and it is wonderful of course with plenty of snacks i've gotten to know neighbors friends and especially this lady named miss louise Miss Louise lives in this beautiful teal house up on Signal Mountain with this gorgeous, gorgeous yard. She's always working out there. And so as we'd go on our walks, we would peek over and be like, hi Miss Louise, say hey. Um, Jack's eventually made his way to her fish pond and we would go there almost daily to go feed these fish. And she's in her late to mid eighties and doesn't remember my name, admittedly. He's like, yeah, I have to look up your name after you come. Thinks London's name is Joy, and I never want to correct her on that because I love that. She's gotten to know a lot of my friends because as I walk with them, I'll introduce her to Miss Louise, and she is just cherished in my group of girlfriends. And the other day, she called me up, and she was like, I miss you, Kirsten, but I heard you had surgery, and I'm going to come sit your kids. I was like, you're going to come sit with my kids? Oh, oh, my goodness. Even though she can't come babysit my kids right now, the fact that this 80-something-year-old woman would call me up and offer to watch my kids so that I could recover from surgery was a sign to me of just a beautiful life of faith. That this character had been developed in her and that she would reach out and offer this let's pray. Father God, thank you for Miss Louise. Thank you for the faith that is alive in her and at work um, and the inspiration that it is to me. I pray that tonight we would um, be people that let your faith work through us and in us. Amen. So we've been in this sermon series where we're talking about faith and last week Jason talked to us about um, Paul's words saying that the gospel does not have to be earned. There's no merit that gets you faith. that It is a gift. That God has given you this gift of faith. Today we're going to jump into a passage in James where he's saying that if we don't have works then our faith is dead. And so sometimes people see those in opposition but but they're partners, they're yoked together. If you wanna imagine like Paul and James back to back and Paul is looking at the legalist being like, no, it's not about earning your faith, God wants to give this to you. And James is looking at these Jews who live in this Gentile world saying, don't lose who you are, share that with the world. Don't just say that you're a follower of Jesus, but do those things, your words without deeds are empty. Let your faith be alive. So they're filling out this picture together of what faith is. So as I read James two fourteen on, I want you to hear that in partnership with faith being a gift. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of them says, then, go in peace, keep warm and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action. It's dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them in a different direction? As a body without a spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So God has given us this gift of faith. We didn't have to earn it. He's given it to us. And he's saying, take this. It's up to you. Are you going to keep it alive? Or are you going to let it die? His faith is made to be alive. Imagine, not imagine, there's light rays everywhere around you. You can't see it. You know, just, you see light. But you don't see the rays. But when you do see it, Is when light hits a thing of water, hits a prism, and then a rainbow shoots up. That is what faith works look like. That is what a live faith looks like, is this rainbow that can be seen, not invisible and hiding. This weekend, um, I learned how to make kombucha. And we had these big, huge jars of sugary black tea. And then we were given these little mushrooms called scobies. And our job was to keep those sco- these scobies alive. And we had to keep them in a certain, like, darkness, light situation. We had to make sure they were fed. So you take that scoby, this live mushroom, and you put it in the tea because it gets to feed and eat that tea. Now, I didn't, myself, Grow the SCOBY. I was given it as a gift. God freaking made the SCOBY, right? It's his creation. So it's given that. But I had to keep it alive. I had to make sure that it's eating the sugar and the tea. It's doing its work, doing its job. And see, what's happening right now is it's eating this tea, and it's changing this tea into kombucha. If I were to let that mushroom die, I would just have some black sugar tea with a dead mushroom in it. But as I keep it alive, it transforms this thing into what it's made to be, into this kombucha. Maybe you're not a kombucha drinker. So imagine I give you a surfboard, and you're jazzed about it, and you're like, yes, I'm a surfer! But you never take it to the ocean. You never ride it. We'll say that your words are cheap because you're not a surfer if you've never actually surfed. Or the other day, somebody's like, hollered at me like you're that yogi i'm like i haven't done yoga in a year i'm not a yogi feels fake see when god gives us this gift of faith he's saying it's not just this gift of faith like to like look at but the gift is also in the doing the gift is like the surfing itself it is the benefits of yoga it is giving being given a fast car and driving it fast It's like kids on Christmas. If you've been around a kid on Christmas, they don't just go open all the gifts. They open one gift and they play with it. Gosh, Christmas took us like five days this year because it was playing and playing and playing with that one gift. Faith is meant to be alive. It's made to be played with, not stagnant, not dead. So why do we let our faith die? Why is this something that James is not just telling the church then, but the church now? I think before we can get there, we actually have to ask what does our faith alive look like? The passage says, you know, like you can tell a dead body is dead. It's obvious it's dead because there's no breath in it. You can see it. They can see there's no life. And if you've ever seen a dead body, you know that to be true, that it's crazy because you're like, oh my gosh, this is the shell. Of this person but they're not in there their spirit is not there anymore makes me really believe in God to be honest and the same comes with faith that you're like well there's a shell of it but it's not in there there's no life there's no breath so an interesting thing about this word death in James it's a Greek word and it's nekros and it means corpse dead and also means doesn't produce fruit so faith alive Produces fruit. And if you're familiar with the Bible, you know that there's tons of passages that use this idea of producing fruit. Even Jesus himself tells us, like, you will know who they are by their fruit. Um, so, our faith alive looks like fruit being produced, just like you could tell an apple tree was an apple tree by the fact that it produces apples. Same goes with our faith. So, what are some of those fruits? Well, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, being thankful, rejoicing always, forgiving, loving, being humble. This fruit looks like the life of Jesus. This fruit looks like a transformed heart that is obedient to the calls and the commands and the of Jesus that is why we need to read our Bibles not just like I'm reading my Bible because I have a lot of faith you read your Bible because you're like what do you have in store for me what is this fruit that is going to come out how do I move towards that because this Bible tells us where to go, what to do how to act shows us that we are strengthened it equips us Our Bible is read so that we would go and do and see those things that we are to do. Our Bible is read so that we would know who God is because when we have faith in Him, when we trust in Him, we're gonna trust in these things He is and that's gonna come out of us. That is that life that is coming out of us. So we learn that God is good and He is loving and just and merciful and forgiving and suffers for another. So our faith alive, is loving and just and suffering for another and merciful and humble and good. Our Bibles, when we read it, also shows us we're not alone. I mean, this passage even gives us examples. Here is a patriarch male like, figure of faith, and here is a prostitute female Gentile. And both of these people are people that were saying, you're not alone in this journey. Here's what a life of faith can look like. That's what our Bible does. It moves us in action. So when we say, I want to grow in my faith, what we're saying is, I want to move, I want to become more like Christ, and I want to to do that. So I'm going to As I'm growing my faith, I'm going to be somebody that's being kind to my enemy and working towards that. I'm going to be somebody that's forgiving the really big things and the really small things. I'm going to be somebody who is having a conversation to bring about peace when all I want to do is be passive. I'm going to be somebody that's generous even when I only have a little bit. So growing in faith does not mean I'm just gonna read my Bible more. It means that that's going to come out of me, transform me and be part of the way that I am living my life. And that's not easy. And so that brings me back to my question is why do we let our faith die? Faith requires us to act to trust in God. I and mean, that's what faith is, to, to trust in something. To not be fully certain, but to trust in it. So it's, it's requiring us to trust in God and trust that He's going to care for us and that He means what He says about Himself and about us. And I think what lets our faith die is that we don't trust that. If you actually believe that you were wonderfully made, that you were made on purpose with intention, that you have these gifts, why do you shrink back and not step into places where people could use your voice and your leadership? If you believe that God was telling the truth when he said, don't worry about tomorrow, why do you spend hours and hours worrying about your future spouse and your job and what your friends are doing this coming weekend if you believe that God said I will provide I will care for you I care for you why do you hoard your treasures that was super convicting to me when I was an intern here at the house I totally believed that God was going to provide for me that intern year you don't make very much money as an intern Um, that he wanted me there but I was like, well, I gotta provide for my future. Like there is a lot coming and I don't make much money and okay, I've gotta save up my money and I'm very much about saving, but it was an unhealthy heart mindset. And so I got another job and I was like working doubles at this restaurant every weekend to save my money for my future and I had a friend, she was like, why are you working so much? Do you not trust that God's gonna provide You're missing out on a lot of life in the present because you're always there. God's not just promising that he's going to provide for you right this minute, but he actually cares about, like, your whole life, not just right now. That got me. That convicted me big time. So I quit the job. and was really present where I was at. And maybe for you, it's not that you don't believe God's who he says he is but maybe you're like I don't actually know who he says he is I'm not really sure and I believe in Jesus but I don't know a ton because maybe you're scared to ask questions maybe you've heard that doubt is in opposition to faith which is not true disobedience is closer to the opposite of faith than doubt is God invites your questions. God invites that curiosity and your doubts. He's not scared of it. So you can ask him, you can go there. Or maybe you don't trust God because you actually trust your way more. It's easier to see your perspective. You don't understand his. You don't get his time, like the timing of anything. Your way is better, and so you are not having faith. Your faith is, is dead, because you're trusting in your way over his ways. But here's what's neat that God does. That even when it's like, oh, should I have faith? Oh, should I act this out? When we do it, that grows in us, because whatever we're doing, we see it at work, and we see God being true and, and right. So when we say, okay, God, you've made me an ambassador of you, and here I am in this class, and we're all six feet apart, and I think everybody wants to talk to each other, but everyone, but I'm too scared to say anything. Okay, I'm going to say, hey, how are you? And when you say, hey, how are you, and that person responds like, hi. And you start talking, you're like, oh my gosh, I did that. And then you're bold to do something else, and then your faith continues to grow because you believe in this God and his promises and what he's saying is true and you're seeing it at work your faith grows as you put it into action where in your life does it appear that your faith is dead because it is hard to believe something about God Another reason we let our faith die is because it requires practice and practice is hard. I'm a ballet dancer and so I've spent years and years of my life simply practicing. And it's really hard when there's no performance in sight. And sometimes in our practice, it's not even like, oh, this is annoying, it's like, I just wanna be good at it already. So you go to a workout class and it's your third workout class and you're like, I should be as good as a workout instructor. Or you finish your sophomore year of college and you're like, I should be as smart as my professor. You expect to be as wise, as kind, as gentle, as compassionate as people that have been letting this faith work in their lives and through their lives for years. We just want to be. We want to be there already. But it takes time. It's like raising kids, you can't just jump through the tween stage. Like producing fruit, it has to mature. And that is hard. We see that in the disciples, though. That's how they learned practice, practice, practice with Jesus. Three years of practice. We took Jack to the skate park this weekend. And it was like, whoa, this awesome, cool place. And he like goes up to one of the ramps and he goes down. it for the first time, he's like, that was awesome. And then he goes back up and he stops. He's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And he just kept letting his scooter go down the, the ramp and he just had given up. I can't do it, Mom. And eventually he saw his buddies going down these ramps. He had his dad come and be like, Buddy, you got it. And he began to practice going down these little ramps. And finally he did it and he fell a bunch and he hit things and he ran into people. But it was in that practice that he was building up this confidence that he could do it. It was gonna make him this better skater. Now, he didn't go up any other ramps. He just did that one. But he will someday. He keeps at it. Some research says that when you wanna help kids stick stick to things that they're practicing, you need to talk about their weaknesses. You need to talk about the fact that they're going to fail, they so you're not going to be good at it all the time. You need to talk about why they're doing it, do they even want to do it. Help them find a reason, a motivation to practice. So if you think about it, like a kid that is motivated to be an NBA player is going to be excited to shoot hoops all the time, run the suicides, because they know what they want. And so for us, if we know that we want to fall in love with Jesus, we got to remember that. Okay, I am I'm in love with Jesus, and so here are things to do as I practice this. Is, this is what it's for. I'm practicing for that and not losing sight of that. When Jonathan was in college, he wanted to be this like traveling preacher, and he wanted to like be on the big stages and all that, and his mentor said if you want to do that, you got to practice. You got to start preaching, maybe start at a nursing home. Well, that was a crush to his ego, I'm sure. It was in that practice that he not only learned that skill, but that that faith was poured out and shown to the people around him. And maybe for you right now, you're like, listen, practice is just feels like another thing to do. And I have trouble even getting out of bed. I'm just tired. Well, maybe your your first step of action of faith, bringing it to life, is getting out of bed. If you're like, I just can't, like, I know I'm good at encouraging people, but I just can't have another conversation. Maybe the step is like one sentence, just a little text. You don't have to climb to the top of Everest on your first hike. It can be step by step by step. And God gives you this gift of faith and he doesn't say, okay, figure it out, bye. So I'm with you in it. I'm strengthening your weak knees. I'm lifting up your chin. I'm guiding you in all of this. When in your life does it appear that your faith is dead you just don't want to practice? And ultimately, I think we don't, Let our faith be alive because it means a lot of sacrifice, a lot of self-sacrifice, dying to self. Because that's what Jesus did. He, like God sent His Son to the world to show off His life to you, to invite you into His kingdom work. And then He died for us to forgive our sins so that we would have life, that we could live in this live faith. And so our faith looks like self sacrifice, and that is hard, hard work. So we say we're Christians, and we go to Bible studies, and we talk about Christian things, but if we aren't transformed, then our faith is dead. If our faith is breathing, if it's alive, it transforms us and comes out in the way we act and are towards other people. We are people that forgive and don't have grudges even when somebody continues to hurt us. We are people that don't withhold trust even when somebody in our past has proven to us not trustworthy. We give to the poor even when we're broke. We listen to someone when maybe we're not interested in what they're talking about, but we care about them. We use our gifts. We don't just take a gifts assessment. But we use them to the best of our abilities. We work on our homework as if we are turning it into God. We talk highly of people. We don't gossip about them. We do our roommates' dishes. We flee from bitterness and passivity. We love. On this Valentine's week, I commission you to read 1 Corinthians 13 and to act out love out of faith. Be kind and patient and not irritable, not insisting on your own way. And as you do this, others will see it. This is how people know who God is, this is how people know what faith is about. I mean, You've been there where you're like, I can't believe that person's a Christian by the way they're acting. See, our behaviors show off our beliefs. because so our beliefs motivate our behaviors. So when I am kind to you, people are like, oh, I wonder why. What does she believe? When I forgive you again, oh, I wonder what she believes because that's pointing to something. People will see that and ask. And when you see people live out their faith, it's contagious. You see, like you have a Walmart checkout person and they're really kind to you and like peppy. You want to go be kind and peppy to somebody else. And you see somebody carrying somebody's like stuff for them. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm a, I can do that. And we begin to want to act out of our faith we hear somebody's story of reconciliation oh my gosh I want to do that faith can spread like wildfire wildfire you've just got to let it be seen in the sermon series we did last semester we talked about Matthew um, in the sermon on the Mount. he says let your light shine before men so they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven be a city on a hill be a light on a stand so that people would see it our faith is meant to be seen. So I want to leave you with this question to ponder. When and what in your life can you look at right now and say, only because of faith can I do that? What have you done in your life? What are you doing right now that you're like, the only way that that is even able to happen, that I'm able to do that, is because of faith, a thing that comes out of you. What is that fruit that is produced? And of course, you know, my, my head does this too. My head goes to the big things, like it's my friend's parents going to visit the person that killed their sister in jail. It is the woman that walked across Venezuela to drop her kid off to this orphanage we work at in Ecuador to say, hey, I need to get better and I I trust that you'll take care of this baby while I do that. But I also see the answer to this question as somebody who was given money because they were struggling financially buying food for their whole house, not just for themselves. I see it as somebody not sleeping with their boyfriend or girlfriend because they want to honor them and honor God. I see it as somebody that finds joy and thanksgiving in their singleness when it'd be so easy to be bitter or just to date people to feel like they're wanted. I see it in an 80-year-old calling up a 30-something to offer to sit her kids because she had surgery. I pray that your faith would be alive. That you would let it grow and transform you and those around you and that it would spread like wildfire.